As I said today, I'm going to continue my series of sermons on our bishop's pastoral letter. It is the Lord. Uh, By the way, there's plenty of copies of this left on the table out there. So, you know, grab it. It's it's really short. Um, So, yeah. um, Our bishop asked us to preach on the letters, so here I am. And today we're going to discuss the third part of the letter and the very last part of the letter. They both focus on the sacrament of reconciliation. Why would our bishop focus on confession in the midst of reflections on a Eucharistic revival? Well, the answer is because confession and the Eucharist are connected. One prepares us for the other. St. Paul once wrote that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. A person should examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So, according to St. Paul, it is possible to receive communion unworthily. And in doing so, we drink judgment upon ourselves. And this means that if we receive communion unworthily, it doesn't help us. It harms us severely. In fact, it's a further sin. This is why the Roman Missal, this ginormous red book here that almost crushes our little altar servers as they try to hold it for me. uh, It's the book that uh, contains all the prayers of the Mass, the instructions on how they celebrate the Mass. It instructs us priests to quietly pray this prayer, so you don't usually hear it unless maybe my mic picks it up or something, but to pray this prayer right before we receive communion. May the receiving of your body and blood, Lord Jesus Christ, not bring me to judgment and condemnation, but through your loving mercy be for me protection in mind and body and a healing remedy. So as I pray that prayer... You know, many days, it's a stark reminder that unworthy reception of Holy Communion might bring me to judgment and condemnation. Yikes. Receiving Communion can be dangerous. It's not just a token of hospitality. It's not just all are welcome, so come and receive. It's something much more. And this is part of why our Protestant brothers and sisters, we love them. You know, if they come to Mass, they're welcome. Uh, But it's why they cannot receive, because they don't understand this yet. But, But you as Catholics should. So to receive communion worthily, we must be in communion with God and his church. And what breaks this communion? Well, it's sin. So we have to seek forgiveness first especially for mortal sins, which are only forgiven in confession. Now, this worries me and a lot of priests because we know that every single one of us is a sinner. We all need God's mercy before we partake in Holy Communion. Yet very few of us ever confess and receive God's forgiveness prior to Communion. A national survey of Catholics that came out just a couple of months ago revealed that 57% of Catholics rarely or never go to confession. And it said also that 75% of Catholics 
go to confession less than once a year. So, I mean, this is my experience, so it's not really surprising. But, but it does seem to me then that very few of us are actually receiving Holy Communion in a worthy manner. I mean, only God ultimately knows, but this is what it seems like. Because if we're never reconciling with God in confession, well, then communion becomes a lie. We're not in communion. And as I said, receiving communion in that state, it can lead us to hell, not heaven. It becomes a sacrilege. Clearly, though, most Catholics avoid confession. We come up with all kinds of rationalizations to avoid it. The truth is we need it. Maybe if we understand it a little better, we would then take advantage of it and then benefit from communion towards which confession points. So I'll try to explain again the sacrament of confession. While Jesus was on earth, we know he forgave sins um, of the people that he encountered. You know, he forgave the paralytic by just saying, man, your sins are forgiven. Well, today, though, we don't see Jesus walking down the street. We don't see him in that way saying those words to people. But this doesn't mean that he no longer forgives. It also doesn't mean that we're all automatically forgiven. It just means that Jesus does this forgiveness in a different way through his church, especially through his sacraments. As I've been saying repeatedly, I'm like a broken record over these last weeks, the sacraments don't just represent what Jesus does in the world. They don't just represent his work. The sacraments are Jesus' work. You know, people say, I don't need to go to confession. I go directly to God. Well, when you go to confession, you are going directly to God. If we go to confession, we aren't simply remembering that Jesus forgives us. We are at that moment receiving his forgiveness. So that's what, mainly, that's what confession does. It remedies our sins. Now, talk a little bit about sin. You may remember it can be divided into two categories. Venial and mortal. Venial sins are less serious. They're still serious, but they're less serious. These can be forgiven just by reciting an act of contrition, prayer, or at the penitential act at the start of Mass. Uh, Mortal sins, on the other hand, they're more serious. They're mortal because they are deadly to our eternal life. Mortal sins are those sins that, first of all, there's the three conditions, right? Uh, I know you learned this at some point. First of all, they involve something serious, like a clear violation of the Ten Commandments. Secondly, we know they're serious. And thirdly, we freely commit the sin anyway. It is something serious, we know it, and we do it anyway. If those three conditions are met, it's a mortal sin. And if we do this, if we die with such a sin without repenting, well, that's how we reject Jesus forever. That's how we end up in hell forever. We must confess these mortal sins to receive forgiveness. Venial sins don't necessarily have to be confessed, but it's a good idea to mention them. After all, I mean, sometimes it's really hard to know. Gosh, that thing I did, was that a venial sin or a mortal sin? I don't know. Oh my gosh, I don't know. What do I do? Well, just go to confession and mention it, and then it's taken care of. I will say, though, that uh, you know, mortal sins, 
they are more common than just like actual murder, right? They're easier to do than that, you know, like knowingly and freely skipping Sunday Mass just because you don't feel like it. Well, that could be a mortal sin. So we got to go to confession, but to whom do we confess? Well, the authority to forgive sins, it only belongs to God. Only God has the power on his own to forgive sins. But since Jesus ascended back to heaven, how do we speak to him and hear him forgive us? Remember, Jesus told a man in the gospel, child, your sins are forgiven. And the gospel then said that the people that were there that saw this, quote, glorified God who had given such authority to men. Notice the plural there, men. They were amazed that Jesus had given the authority to forgive to men. Now, okay, if that doesn't convince you, uh, it becomes even more clear that Jesus gave this authority to forgive sins to some men when, after his resurrection, Jesus delegated his authority, not to all men, but to the apostles, telling them, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And then in the first letter of St. John, we read, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. So the Bible shows us that Jesus explicitly delegated his power to forgive to his apostles, who then handed it on to their successors, the Catholic bishops. This is what we mean again by an apostolic church, as we say in the creed. And then these bishops, of course, share that authority with the priests whom they ordain. Catholic priests and bishops are the only ones on earth who possess this power, which is, as I say, delegated. They they don't have it on their own. It comes from God through them. And it is true, God can forgive sins without priests or bishops. You know, he's God. He can do what he wants. But the thing is, We don't know how or when he does that. If I just feel sorry for something, uh, maybe, and I kind of personally confess to God on my own at home, am I forgiven? Has God forgiven me? Maybe. How do we know? And since Jesus gave us the sacrament of confession and we know that it works, why wouldn't we use it? I know from personal experience it feels great to walk out of the confessional knowing that I am forgiven, not wondering, but knowing. To paraphrase the catechism, individual, integral confession and absolution remain the only ordinary way for the faithful to reconcile themselves with God and the church. When we go to confession, God removes the guilt of the sin. He reconciles us with the church. And here's another benefit of confession, Through it, he helps us avoid the same sins in the future. Like if we keep doing the same sins, we want to quit, right? We want to stop. We want to leave those things in the past. Confession can help with this too. It's not meant to be, oh, I'll just do this sin and then go to confession again. No. It's supposed to help us leave sin behind forever. So now, okay, I want to get a little bit practical. How often should we go to confession? Well, the church says we have to go at least once a year. 
But that's like the absolute minimum. I think Pope Francis said he goes every two weeks. Uh, was it John Paul II went every week? Something like that. Um, and these were, yeah, holy men, right? But in his letter, our bishop commanded, commanded that, recommended, not commanded, recommended, we go once a month, unless we are, become aware of a mortal sin, then we should go to confession as soon as possible. Because uh, as our, we heard in our readings today, you never know when you're going to meet Jesus at the end of your life. could be tomorrow. Um, We've got to go to confession as soon as we can. This is the same advice John Paul II gave. Uh, once a month, unless you need it, go sooner. So that's how often, but how do we go to confession? I'm sure you all learned this in second grade, but that's probably been a while for a lot of us. Before you go in the confessional, you got to prepare. You do an examination of conscience. This can be just mentally walking through the Ten Commandments, which is why it's good to have them memorized. Um, you can ask yourself, okay, did I do number one, two, three? Which, you know, which one of those have I broken? And there are always pamphlets uh, around the church that will guide you through this. They're under that window back there, uh, right by the confessional, on the shelf, on the right side, on the top. Lots of copies of it. Um, there's also apps for your smartphone. Uh, but however you do it, make a list of at least the mortal sins that you've committed since your last confession. Write it down if you need to. Make a list. Just don't leave the list laying around for anyone else to find, right? Um, and then, once you've prepared, you seek out the priest. We have regular confession times in our churches. Like all parishes have at least some time available. Usually it's before Mass. As I say, confessions are usually offered before Mass to help us prepare for Mass prepare for Holy Communion so we can receive worthily. But if you contact a priest at any reasonable hour, if you're, unless you're actually possibly dying, like don't call me at three in the morning. <laughs> if you are actually possibly dying, please call me at three in the morning. I'll be there if I, you know, if I can. But, but any reasonable hour, yeah, we're, we're happy to accommodate and you come in here during regular confession times. If the confessional door is open and the green light is on, just walk right in. If the door is closed and the light is red, wait a little bit. Someone else is in there. Uh, you might have to wait a little bit. And then you go in there and you can kneel or sit anonymously behind the screen or face to face. Both of those are options in most churches. And then you begin by saying something like, Father, forgive me, for I've sinned. And then you mention you should mention your state in life, um, saying something like, I'm a single man or I'm a married man. Uh, and then you say how long it has been since your last confession, and you begin listing the sins. And people forget this part. But you're supposed to list them in kind and in number. Kind meaning what you did. I don't need the juicy details. <laughs> I just need to know in general what you did and number roughly how many times. So for example, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I'm a single man. It's been two weeks since my last confession, and these are my sins. I drank to excess on three occasions, and you know, you just go down the list, and then you end by saying something like, I'm sorry for these sins 
and all the sins of my past life, especially those I can't remember right now. Something like that. That last part's important because if you don't, the priest doesn't know when you're done. We might think you're thinking, but you're just waiting. So let the priest know when you're finished. The priest may have some advice for you. Uh, you know, it's not meant to really be like a long spiritual direction, direction session. It's meant to be the dispensation of God's mercy. But you, he may give you a little bit of advice. He'll assign a penance to you, usually a, a set of uh, prayers that um, you carry out in reparation for your sins. Then you pray an act of contrition prayer. And there's a lot of versions of these prayers but they all make explicit the sorrow you have for your sins and your intention to avoid them as best as you can in the future. The priest then prays the words of absolution, which are the words of Jesus that bring about the forgiveness of sins. The priest will say, Jesus will say through the priest, in part, I absolve you from your sins. It's always comforting to hear that. It often brings a sense of peace. The priest will then dismiss you with words like, the Lord has forgiven your sins, go in peace. You can respond with something like, thanks be to God. Uh, and then you walk out of the confessional, you do the penance that priest assigned to you, and so on. If that sounds complicated, it is, it's really not. People come into the confessional all the time and they say, what do I do? <laughs> it's kind of funny, but yeah, what do I do? Uh, well, let me just walk through it together. It's... Uh, just think of it as a conversation with Jesus, who loves you very much, uh, that ends in him saying, I absolve you from your sins, go in peace. It just feels great. And I do, of course, want to reassure everyone that because of the seal of confession, us priests will never reveal anything shared to us in the confessional. Even if someone confesses that they have literally committed murder, a priest will not share it. But still, people are often afraid to go to confession because they think the priest is going to think less of them if he sees them out in the parish or something. But in truth, the worse the sins confessed, the more I respect people who have the courage and the humility to bring it to God in confession. It's edifying for the priest to see people who are so humble, trusting, hungry for God's mercy, which, of course, is one of the whole reasons we became priests to help God dispense that mercy to all of you. And honestly, I'm a pretty forgetful guy. I know I've asked all of you your name like 30 times, and I will again, but uh, I forget almost everything, which in this case is a great blessing. I really do forget almost everything I hear in confession. But in the end here, confession is a great gift to us from Jesus. And to receive our Lord worthily in Holy Communion, for communion to be a blessing for us, and not something that harms us. We need to be reconciled first through confession. So, let us make use of that great sacrament. Amen.